0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Christian friends, A young man stands before a sanctuary full of his peers and parents and congregation. It is the eve of his confirmation, and it is his turn now to share with them all that he has learned. And he stands confidently in front of this crowded room as his pastor asks him, When we say that we worship the one true God, what do we mean? Confidently, his answer comes quickly We believe in one God. And then he pauses. And his confidence is quickly replaced with consternation as the rest of the answer lingers on the tip of his tongue. The phrase he has learned and knows he is to speak is out on the periphery of his consciousness. And so nervously, he takes a breath and tries again. We believe in one God in three... A pause... In three, three dudes. And as the congregation chuckles, he too laughs nervously and steals, steals a glance at his pastor standing nearby. A smile spread across his face as he says, yeah, that's pretty close. I can see that you've got the idea. The triune God. One God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A Confession that's easy to speak, but one that is truly impossible this side of heaven to rationally understand. And yet, through faith, we confess and believe it. This Holy Trinity Sunday, it stands at the culmination of this season of the church year where we celebrate the time of Christmas and the time of Easter, the the climax of of the church year in the, the resurrection of Christ, his ascension and sending of the Holy Spirit. And before we enter into this time of the church, this time of growth in Christian life, we reflect on the mystery and the majesty that we just confessed. That we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. Neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. For the Father is one person and the Son is another and the Holy Spirit is another. But the Godhead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one. The glory equal and the majesty co-eternal. The glory and majesty of God that has been manifested in the flesh in our Lord Jesus Christ. The one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. Jesus, who is at the same time both God and man, He was sent by the Father into the world, fulfilling all the scriptures. He was born Emmanuel, God with us. The promised Christ who would rule on the throne of David over his kingdom forever. Jesus, the Son of God, who has accomplished all things necessary for our salvation. The astonished people as he taught As one who had authority in and of himself. And with this authority, he healed the sick and the lame, and he cast out demons, miracles which evidence that he had authority even to forgive sins. Jesus, raised from the dead by the power of the Spirit of God, shares in the glory of the one divine name, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So to confess the triune God, it cannot be done except to confess that Christ and no one else has all authority, authority over all things. And yet, since the very beginning of time, human beings, we have pushed back against this divine authority. And we have attempted time and again to take it upon ourselves. Adam and Eve, as they reached out and took the fruit. Abraham and Sarah, as they took matters into their own hands and conceived with the help of her maidservant, Hagar. The Old Testament kings as they persecuted the prophets who spoke God's word. The religious authorities who condemned Jesus as a blasphemer. Examples of our desire to take the authority that is not ours and make it our own. A desire which unfortunately remains among us still. A child... Angered that they are not allowed yet another snack, grumble against his parent. I can't wait to grow up and make my own rules, he says. A teenage girl, fully aware that she is not to leave the house that evening, nonetheless hatches a plan behind her parents' back to try and sneak out of the house once they are distracted by their entertainment. Adults who take to social media for the sole purpose of complaining about the events in their neighborhood, communities, or the decisions in Washington. Neighbors who converse over the barbecue, sharing complaints about their bosses and their children's teachers. The obvious problem here or the obvious uh, example here is that we want the authority that we don't have. But the obvious problem is that that authority does not belong to us. It has not been given to us. It belongs to Jesus. But perhaps, like myself, you're less likely to look to yourself as your own authority. But you turn to the earthly experts... And they become ultimate authorities without us even knowing it. See, they have the knowledge to lead wisely, and so we trust them. They have education and experience to care for our needs, and so we trust them. They have a clear perspective, something that can help us see through the confusion of our day, and so we fear and we love and we trust in them but while they have valid and expert opinions they still have not been given all authority over heaven and earth because again that belongs to jesus and this desire this desire to be the authority this began our human problem with sin and our continued misplaced trust and fear in things that do not have ultimate authority, they keep this problem alive from generation to generation. When Jesus walked the countryside, when he taught and healed, he challenged those who were claiming authority in his time. And as a result, he was ultimately crucified and hung on a cross. And while he was hanging on that cross, bearing your sins and mine, it appeared as though the authority that Jesus claimed was not actually his. But in this moment of apparent weakness, when he seemed unable to come down off of that cross, in this time of apparent defeat where he seemed unable to save himself or anyone else for that matter, it was then, in reality, that he ultimately expressed his true authority. For as he had said before, no one takes my life from me. For I have the authority to lay down my life, and I have the authority to take it back up again. Brothers and sisters, today know for certain that God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit, has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you and I crucified. But know also that Jesus suffered and died not in weakness. Not because he lacked any sort of authority, but he suffered and died because he had the authority to do so. His authority is something extraordinary. It is something so otherworldly that we can't even fathom it through our earthly experiences. It is nothing like the self serving and greedy authorities that we navigate each and every day. No, Jesus' authority is solely for the sake of you and me. And it is compassionate. His authority does not place distance between him and those who are unworthy, but rather, in his authority, Jesus draws closer to us. He chose to become like one of us sinners, so that he could save you and I from our sin. He was hung on a cross in close proximity to two criminals. ...so that he could take your place among them. He drew near even to the very ones who crucified him on that cross as he prayed, Father, forgive them. He drew near also in his resurrection. when He took up his life again so that you and I may have a life forever with him. You see, the Son had accomplished the Father's work. And so now together, the Father and the Son send out the Spirit to continue their work. And with all authority, Jesus draws near again, this time to the very disciples who had abandoned him a short time before. Instead of condemnation, he brings forgiveness. And in forgiveness, he commissions them to carry on his mission in his place. Go and make disciples of all nations. This mission, it continued through the work of the apostles, and then through the work of his church, and even today through the work of his people like you and I. And he calls us as his church to draw near To go out to anyone, to everyone, to the four corners of the earth, and love them, and serve them, and bring them to the places where God's word and his sacrament will shape them, too, to become followers of Jesus Christ. And we do this by baptizing into the one name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching everything that this Son of God, Jesus, has commanded. And while there is so much to be done in the church, these two things, they are the foundation of all that we do. We baptize and then we teach. We teach and then we baptize and in your christian life you remember your baptism and it draws you again to the word of god that forms and shapes you into his disciple and as you learn and follow this christ it draws you back to remember your baptism and the forgiveness that you have received within it it's a beautiful rhythm it's the rhythm of your christian life it's the rhythm of a disciple one who lives under the authority of Jesus Christ the son of god who shares in this divine holy name so jesus authority it gives you life through this very name and in that baptismal promise forgiveness abounds for you your sin has been washed away and all that's left is this eternal life in his name but jesus authority it also holds your life together with one another yes you follow christ but together gathered as his disciples jesus forms you and i together through his word and his sacraments and then he sends his spirit among us so that as we depart into our daily lives we proclaim his name we serve And we love according to Christ's call. But we cannot forget his final words, his very promise that, Behold, I am with you always, even to the absolute completion of this age. See, our triune God, he chooses to be present in your life, in my life, and in the life of his church. Forever, throughout all of our days, no matter what we face, Jesus remains in authority over anything and everything that we experience. And with that authority, he draws near to you and me. He forms you by his word. He shapes you in the life of the church so that you live in obedience to all that he has commanded you. And all that he has taught. And when you fail, because we all will, he draws near again and he reminds each and every one of us of the promise he made in your baptism, that your sins are forgiven forever. And that you have life with him. Life that comes through the name and the power of God's name. The name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, for you and me. In that holy name we pray, amen.